0: Hey, it's Jeff here. After working as an automotive tech for almost 25 years, I can honestly say that finding employment with the right shop has been the difference maker between loving what I do every day or hating my career choice. Let me tell you, I've been there. But I've also had jobs where work didn't really feel like work. I love the challenge of fixing cars. So loving what I do, that's the easy part. Finding a good place to do it in, now that's been the struggle. And that's where my friends at Promotive knock it out of the park. They're a recruitment company specializing in jobs for our automotive industry. A techs, B techs, master techs, service advisors, managers, you name it. They are constantly looking for applicants in automotive to link them with available job postings at only the best vested shops around the country. Promotive has a team of professional recruiters that can help you with your resume, prep you for the interview process, and negotiate the best pay and benefits package for you. And best of all, it's free to anyone looking to gain employment. Check them out at goldpromotivecom slash Jeff. goalpromotivecom slash Jeff. Just think, you could be just five minutes away from finding your dream job.
1: But our lives are at home. Our lives are with our children, our grandchildren. That's where our lives is. With our significant other, if it may be, you know.
0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another exciting, thought-provoking episode of the Jaded Mechanic Podcast. My name's Jeff, and I'd like to thank you for joining me on this journey of reflection and insight into the toils and triumphs of a career in automotive repair. After more than 20 years of skin, knuckles, and tool debt, I want to share my perspectives and hear other people's thoughts about our industry. Support yourself a strong coffee or grab a cold Canadian beer and get ready for some great conversation. He is a handsome-looking bugger. We know him as uh, Buckaroo Bob. Some people know him as John Firm from John Firm Automotive. John, say hello to your adoring fans tonight.
1: Hey, folks. It's great to be here. I'm blessed, and I'm excited about our conversation tonight. This is going to be cool. Yeah, this is- We're going to open up a can of worms, man.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, it's-
1: <laughs> That's two fishermen talking right there, folks.
0: <laughs> so have you been out? You've been out. I've seen your boat running around a bit. Have you caught anything?
1: Yes. Yeah. Matter of fact, the boat's on rest because the following weekend, not not the first weekend of July, the second weekend, we are, have got the uh, the wounded warrior coming to uh, the Brazos River. We're going to take them out on the boat. It's the uh, Big Country Vets program, wow. and what they do is they do things for wounded warriors to unite them and bring them together from all over the country. So we have seven of these guys coming. There's five coming from Texas, two coming from across the country. I don't know where, mm-hmm. but we're going to take them out on the airboat two nights. And we're going to go riding and sliding up and down the Brazos river over there by Weatherford. Yep. And, uh, these guys are going to be entertained, winding and down and bring these guys back together to unite. Uh, there's so many different issues with these guys. And bringing them together is a big blessing for them, yep. and helps them heal.
0: Yes, yeah, and and we
1: were the, all these are warriors,
0: and yeah, and we were just talking right before uh, we we turned on the recording. What fishing does for that, right? You and I, you and oh yeah, you and I share a bond through fishing. That was kind of how we got introduced. Was just sitting in the back of a van at ASBE on a ride to the dinner, and. Yes, sir. I hear your accent and I know where you're from, and I'm like, Oh, he's probably got you probably got you probably got some big bass up your way. And I take out my phone and start showing you pictures of the fish that I've caught. And and that, that started off something that's absolutely uh I'm I'm proud to to have in my life is is my friendship with you and, and our banter and our, our camaraderie and what brings us together in this industry. And like we were talking about, we might not have Anything else in common in this industry, we might do everything different. We might have completely different thoughts and opinions. But, you know, how we talked about is you can have a common hobby and you can oversee, you know, a lot of differences and, and build build common ground. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I love fishing for me. Helps me keep this, this industry in perspective, right? It helps me remember that it's just a job and it's not... You know the be all and the end all, and uh, <laughs>
1: it's not our lives. Yes, it's just a job. It's our career that we're dedicated to, yeah. so, so we're, we're better, better at. It. Yeah. yeah, but okay. our lives are at home. Our lives are with our children, our grandchildren. That's where our lives is with our significant other, if it may be. You know, but
0: and when I met you at ASTE, you were there with your
1: daughter-in-law. Yep, had not had your granddaughter yet. And yet- I have a beautiful baby, Aisley, now. Yes. And uh, she's going on seven, eight months old. Today was her doctor's appointment. She is 18 pounds and healthy and doing great.
0: It's a beautiful little.
1: So we got good thumbs up from that doctor visit two days. So you're like, every time something important happens in my life, you're like there, Jeff. I love it.
0: Some people I bring good luck and some people I bring bad luck. It te- oh, dude! It tends to be when I'm on the boat, I'm bringing people good luck, and I'm I excited for that. Sometimes when I'm at work, I bring people bad luck, but you know that—that's just you blame it on the industry. You don't blame it on me.
1: For- well, I think at work we do bring good luck because this is my thought. Because we catch at stuff where that customer could be broke down alongside the road, and we can fix it inside the shop, whether they accept our good luck or not. Yes. That's on them. Yep, we just offer them great opportunities, not to be stuck alongside the highway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's my good luck theory about yeah. that. Because
0: <laughs> you and I, I mean, we both, we both. I don't run the fleet shop. I work in a fleet shop, but I've spent a large part of my career in in and out of fleet shops. I kind of bounced around a bit. And tell us a little bit your your business because you you are exclusively fleet. You do not really take on. Uh, just Mrs. Smith with, with her minivan or something, right? You predominantly, No, I can't. Yeah. You predominantly specialize in fleets. And, and I think that that's fascinating. And tell us, give us the, give us the audience where you, where you are, the name of the business and, and kind of give us the backstory and why you went that way.
1: Well, as we started off firm automotive is the name of the business. Okay. We're in Fort Worth, Texas. And, uh, I've been in business well over 30 years, okay? And um, for 15 of those 30 years, I was like the rest of the mechanics that we know. Anything that came and landed on that driveway, I was going to work. Ego was big. I was Mr. Wonderful. I'm going to fix anything. I can fix it. It's it, just nuts and bolts. Yeah. You know? And the hard ones are just a simple walk in the park. No big deal. We fix them. You know? And then a mentor of mine told me he one day, he said, why don't you focus on what you're good at? Well, I was pretty good at working on diesel trucks. So I started working on a lot of diesel trucks. I got to be known into Dallas-Fort Worth. And then I got known around Texas as the guy that works on diesels. And his whole shop is all about diesel. And then I started looking into, every time you worked on a retail customer, you have to spend an hour explaining, upselling, working with, and then arguing about why we need to do this, and it, it's it's a process that I was tired of. It, I wanted something simple, and I started working on this this one fleet of trucks that had had thirty two diesel trucks in this fleet, and I said, "Oh wow, man, this is so much easier." I called boss man up, boss man, this truck needs this. Boss man says. When is it going to be ready? Well, I didn't hear that. Yep. All I said here, fix trucks. So I that about the eighteenth year, I started changing things, and then I said, you know, there's more to this industry than just me. You know, I'm I'm in a little shop here on Twenty Eighth Street. I, I had all these people coming in, and then and I heard about an association, and I I joined that association. Get involved, you know. That association at the time was AASP. Tech. And I got involved in our industry. It, yeah, it's an association. But the great thing about the association, I got training coming. I'm training on how to work on this car and work on that car. And I'm I'm learning how to do all this. And then old Rick White comes to town. And he's doing an AMI class. And I go, ah, I'm, bah, I need to learn how to work on cars. I know how to do that. I need to learn how to run my business. Let's see if this guy's teach me. So I went to one of his classes. And it was, it was about... KPI. Well, I didn't know what KPI was. You know, as far as I knew, the guy had some kind of popsicle he's was wanting to sell. Unbeknown to me, it was truly a Kool Aid you had to drink. And I drank his Kool Aid. And I hungered for more of that knowledge on how to be running my business than working in my business. taking all the AMI classes I could take. There was a lady down in Houston, Texas. Her name is Betty Joe Young. That lady taught business management classes with Carquest technical institute for years and that was the beginning after rick white that was the beginning of me changing and it just grew and grew and and you know my technician when i was out there working with him craig he would say i don't want you outside go your ass inside on that counter and sell i'll fix these cars when he just hammered me with that all the time and we'd stay busy And I said, wow, there's more to this running a shop than working in the shop. So I finally landed a coach. I went to a coaching company. I worked with him. That was ATI for four years. I dedicated. They are expensive if you look at it. Frank Rose came to me one day. He said, John, I've been hitting on you trying to get you to join ATI for years. He said, I want to see your numbers. I want to see what you're doing. I said, all right, Frank. So we went back there and we looked at my numbers. Frank said, John, I know you're greedy. You're as greedy as I am, but you're leaving a hundred grand on the table. Wow. He said, if you'll join ATI, I guarantee you the first year, you'll get your hundred grand back. No way, Frank. Ain't no way. so I guarantee it. If you don't do it, all bets are off. So I got a coach assigned to me. His name's Ray. Okay, this is exciting. This is a changing point of my life seven years ago. Ray is, man, he's a hitter. He's a he's a knock it out of the ballpark kind of guy. I love Ray. Ray gets me lined up, gets me st- showing me and tweaking me and teaching me how to do kpis key performance indicators and i started making money at the end of the year i called frank up i said frank you lied to me buddy well what do you mean john what do you mean i said you told me i'd make 100k he said yeah i know that you can do that i said frank it's 180 (laughs) it's a hundred and eighty thousand francs so i met my obligation with ati me and rick white's been hanging out been hanging out for a while and rick says you gonna come you're gonna come come on let me be your coach i said rick i got a promise with ati i got to finish it out with him covid hit
2: yeah
1: oh everything went to hell in a handbasket and covid I know. But Rick White kept plugging, kept making it, kept making it, you know. My business just kept booming because I had two essential businesses with over a 100 vehicles in each one of their fleet doing business with me. Kept me rolling. 19, 20, 21 wonders, record years. 22, I hit a goal of $2 million. Rick White helped me get to where I was. But one of the tricks, I got to take you back. I went to a training class At ASA Colorado Summit, Cecil Bullard was in this class. He's teaching it. He said, John, this is the story. I can stand up here for two hours and teach you all kind of great stuff. But if you get down to the realistic of it, you're going to absorb 10 minutes. Man, that's a nugget right there. So every time I go to a training class, I try to find that nugget that that instructor is going to teach. They don't let you down. You'll find that nugget every time. And I thank him for his wisdom on that. But let's go back to how Firm Automotive got into fleets. Yes. Now I told you about that fleet of diesel truck we was working on, and I said, it's got to be easy. So I started looking around for another fleet of vehicles, And this this beer company that delivers around here, they had 200 vehicles, Toyota pickup trucks and Toyota Priuses. hmm Now I'm a guy that works on diesels. Yeah. But I'm fixing to learn how to work on Toyota to pick up some Priuses. <laughs>
0: for a fleet of two hundred, yeah, I think I would. Uh,
1: yes. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So now you're focused on one make one model one design, okay? And then I got this other fleet that was communications, okay, internet type stuff. They had a hundred and seventy-five bucket trucks, seventy-five of them gas, a hundred of them were V tens. Yes. I got two vehicles. So now my shop's working on four vehicles. You know, when you narrow that population down, now all the fantastic, wonderful specialty tools that you need to buy just went away because you don't have all the specialty tool needs. I started seeing all this. So when I went to a training class and shared my numbers with people, with the general automotive shop repair, they <laughs> You're lying. You're full of crap. There's no way you can do that. You know, I'm averaging seven vehicles a day. Yeah. My average invoice was probably back in $900, to $800. You know, and, uh, there ain't no way you're full of crap. You can't do that. You know, I was doing it, yep. you know, and I was happy. I'm working eight to nine hours a day and, that, and I'm not working on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. God, I, I, when I quit working on Saturdays, is when I went 100% fleet. That was such a big change.
2: Huge, you, you
1: know. No more Saturdays, and now we start real early in the morning. We quit like early in the afternoon now, you know. So
0: you got more daylight for for stuff to do after hours. That's what I love, right?
1: If I could start, my technicians love that. Yeah.
0: If I could start at 5 a.m. and be done at two, I'd be a happy boy. I would. I could. I could do so much more fishing from two until eight. I'd be so much better. So much better. Uh huh. So, So um, you know what it's like? A lot of these people with the boom trucks and stuff, a lot of shops don't want to work on that. They're scared. Yeah.
1: You know, the liability involved, the insurance that you have to have to cover these trucks, you know, that's pricey. Okay. So, that's something you got to charge to to pay for the insurance. If you're not charging a premium rate to work on a bucket truck, okay, you can't cover the insurance you got to have to work on it. In case something happens to that employee in that truck, they're they're gonna come back and talk to you. Yeah.
0: So that was uh when you when you went to full fleet, did you have to scale up the operation? Like you said, you had you had a tech, Craig. How how big's your operation now? How much is on staff for, for John's automotive?
1: I have eight on staff. I'm I'm short one person right now. I have an opening for one person, and that's gonna be my general service tech. Okay. I have two service riders. And everybody else works out in the shop. We do no field calls. I, I've learned that if, if you got to go out in the field, it's usually for a flat tire, jump start. Yeah. That's simple. Yeah. But if you want me to go out and do a tune-up, we can't do that. It's coming back into the shop. So I, I need to have eight people all the time to cover all the needs that are required of us. I can't take on another fleet today. One of the fleets that's doing business with me has to go away to bring another one in. So what I'm constantly doing, a friend of mine told me this story. John, when you're doing fleets, they're kind of like dating girls. You know, you might be going steady with one a lot, but you always got that spare over here on the side that you're sending flowers to and sending cards to. And you're telling her, hey, I sure do like the dress you wear. Yes. You know? Yep until you can get all three girls in the same room coming in, you keep a fourth and fifth one out there in the woods still, yep. you know, cause they got to know who you are and where you are. And then one of the three go away, you pull up a spare tire and put it on. You keep rolling. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, that's my philosophy about it. It's a spare tire theory. Cause we see it. We see it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you use wire headset. They just fly. <laughs> We see that happen sometimes.
0: You, you can do everything right, and it's just somebody in the, in the accounting that that wants to make a change, right? And all of a sudden, you're you're left out of the party. So I understand exactly exactly where you're coming from. You gotta have those other people. They gotta know who you are. You gotta be invested in, like, oh, so how is that shop treating you? Oh, that. Sorry that didn't work out for you. You know, we we've handled that before, had a quick turnaround. Just little conversations like that. I mean, I've seen our business really grow in the last 2 years because it's just that situation of just trying to show them that we're not any better or any worse. We just we're going to make you maybe a bigger priority than they're making you. Right? I mean, you want to think that you're the best option for that customer. But at the same time, we don't go around bad and saying, oh, no, they shouldn't have done this.
1: No, you can't. No, we, I agree with you.
0: We just, we look at it as like, well, we really want to make you a priority in our business.
1: And I think that. I guarantee you, if you're in the fleet business and you're in the fleet business and you're down the street from me up 20 miles. Yeah. And another guy's in the fleet business, repairing fleet vehicles down the road the other way, another 20 miles. We all three know each other. Sure. We all three know what's going on. Yeah. We all three share the same customers the majority of the time. And sometimes these customers will bounce between us to see who can get the vehicle out the quickest. They're not worried about the price. They're worried about timeframe. Yes. But you're right. hundred percent of the time we, they know us. They know who we are.
0: We can't, we can't get everything done uh, at our location, our current situation. We can't get it all done, but we're right now it's not lucrative to necessarily go bigger. So we have to be very diligent about taking care of what we do can take care of. We have to do it to the utmost professional. And that's that's it.
1: One of my employees is dedicated for pickup and delivery. If I can't do it, state inspections, mm-hmm. interior, windows, paint and body. If I can't do it, I get it done. Yep. All the thing you got to worry about, fleet administrator, is bring the truck to me. If you can't. I will go get it. Yep,
0: we do that too.
1: I will go get it and take it and have it done. My number one job is reduce the stress in your life, Mr. Fleet Guy. I will fix your problems. Let them be mine. This is what I'm in business for. You worry about getting tags on vehicles. I worry about keeping them rolling for you. Man, that speech right there has gotten me some very loyal customers. Mm
0: -hmm. Right, and it's when you you go back to you know how you were talking earlier about having to go through that process so many times a day with you know Mrs Smith that comes in or Mrs Jones and and you're you're having to make the sales pitch every day every day multiple times it's not that we don't want to make the pitch we just want to make the pitch once and build that relationship with that customer that is going to supply us with multiple vehicles so we don't have to it's not always we have to sell i just have to prep the estimate fax it fax it mm-hmm. That's what I just showed. Email it. <laughs> you just tell me how
1: old you are, Junior.
0: <laughs> Email it over. And they, you know, it comes back in two minutes approved with, uh, when can it be done? When will it be done by, you know? And that's uh, when, yeah, you and I have talked a lot. Like we do, we do a lot for, we don't do as much now as we used to with pure later. We do, uh, quite a bit for the local syntax distributor. We have a fleet for our local military that we do quite a bit for them. And it's, it's all just, It's, it's easy. You know what I mean? It's, it's just, it's, they have, the beauty I love about fleets is they always have a few vehicles kicking around. So
1: they always have a few vehicles, what? Kicking
0: around. They have a couple of spares, you know what I mean? Like they've got some, Yeah. so it's, it's, you know, I don't have to give them a loaner. You know, I don't have to find a rental car. I don't have to, it's just like, okay, I'm going to take this unit off the road for four days. We're going to swap a transmission in it. We're going to you know, swap an engine in it, whatever it's going to take. And in the meantime, your driver may go on vacation. So you're going to take a truck off the road. That's when I want to see it to service it. Or we're going to take that old one that sits in the corner that's higher mileage that we're keeping it as a spare. And you roll that out for three or four days. And the beauty yes. is that one that rolls out, it might break something. And just as we get that other job done, we've got another job now waiting for us. You know what I mean? That's right. It's beautiful. Like I love that. You know, it's it's I got a customer's vehicle sitting on my hoist right now. The estimate's sixty eight hundred bucks. That's not a fleet customer. That is a young lady that's just finished paying that off and now it's a neglected vehicle. She's to the tune of sixty eight hundred dollars. Right? So now we're at that point where it's like, do we repair this vehicle or does she go to find something else? In in the fleet world, that doesn't have the same hit on me, right? Effect to my no. my sustenance as it was if she walks out of there and doesn't get the sixty eight hundred dollars. I don't have to play the game of, you know, can I can I put a lower grade part on here? Can I shave some labor to get the job? But the fleet, it's just, you know, you're dealing with a with bigger numbers. But I don't ha- I can stick to the right way to do it. That's what I love. You know. so
1: that, that's a great analogy it really is and and i agree with you a hundred percent and the bonus part of it is if you got a good quality fleet they're going to have the same vehicle whether it be chevrolet ford yeah. f-150 f-250 it's going to be the same vehicle throughout the fleet i have one fleet that has 37 dodge diesel crew cab automatics, four-wheel drive white in color of uh, the plastic floorboard. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Vinyl seats. Yep. They're all in seats are gray. The floors are black yep. and all these trucks. Okay. The only thing different on these trucks is the license plate and the unit number on tailgate. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing different. So if you had that many trucks, I see two or three of them every month, you know, so it's repetitive. Yes. When we talk fleet, but you can't get a general service facility to do what we do. No. They don't understand it, you know? And we can sit here and talk to them. And, you know, I've been in 20 groups where I've told these people, this is what we do. This is how it's going. This is what, and they're like, blah, 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 blah. What? You know, Yeah. one of the things I do when I get ready to go shopping for a new fleet. Okay. And I want to see them. This is a golden, this is a golden nugget for you guys. Okay. We have this huge change of gas stations down here in Texas called QT. And in the morning hours between 630 and nine o'clock every fleet that's in the neighborhood around that qt is going to buy fuel there all the guys are going to jump out go get their drinks go get their snacks whatever they're going to do and they're going to head out for work well by then i already got a cup of coffee and i'm parked over in a corner enjoying a cup of coffee in a nice radio show and i'm watching these trucks come in and out so i'm looking for a clean truck that's been washed and cleaned i don't want a dirty one i don't want one ragged out i'm looking for a truck that's a late model. Our van, our car. Okay. I'm looking for the logo being the same on every one of the vehicles that come through. Yep. Now, I understand if I got five of them come through and one of them dirty, he got dirty last night. He's on the way to get it washed today. Boss man told him to, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. But I'm looking for indicators like that to say, hey, that's a fleet I want to go find out more about. And I just drive by their facility and at 10 o'clock when you drive by and there's four or five cars left, you know those are spare. And another thing you're also going to know, with that many fleet vehicles in their, their arsenal, the owner of that company is not involved with those vehicles. He has a fleet guy. And you only got one person you got to deal with. And he don't have the passion of saving money on his shoulders like the owner does. yeah, So you're going to get stuff fixed a lot quicker. He just And that's your gold nugget out of this one. He, that will make you money, folks. Yeah,
0: He, he just wants to keep the boss happy. With keeping the, the stuff rolling i see too many times that fleet managers uh, i this baffles me sometimes i talk to some fleet managers and they don't even know how a car works and i'm like how did
1: you oh, they don't I have no clue
0: and 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 i realize that it's like it's not about that they necessarily have to know how a car works they just got to be good at the logistics of who do i find the right person to get my fleet fixed you know eff- effectively efficiently and, yeah, And it's not about trying to save $100 on a hundred dollars on every one. It's trying to get them back rolling as fast as possible. So they're, they're making money. Now it, it, that was a for me that I had to, cause I'd be, when you're trying to explain something, when they're asking them, I find it tough when you're trying to explain to them, you know, maintenance side of it, like how that they can save a lot of money by sometimes, you know, doing more maintenance. Sometimes when it's, when you're talking to them and you realize they're not car people or they're not, you know, strong at technical stuff, they're, they're, accounting their you know logistics that i struggle with it first yeah but i realized that so their strength lies in in you know being the go-to between me and
1: one of the things i explain to my fleet guys is i'm not interested in working on broke cars i'll work on your broke cars but if we're not going to maintenance them and keep them up to date on their services they're going to break you're going to ruin your budget and you're going to call me a bad guy because I didn't do what I told you I would do, which I need to maintain your cars. I need to keep them in good operating condition or they're going to be towing in left and right around. No. So maintenance, like you said, maintenance, not broke cars.
0: That's a, I love that idea about sitting at the gas station because I see that all the time, right? I, we get different fleets and some of them, you, you get a lot really gets said about how the even the people that are driving the trucks look after the trucks right? Like if you get in and you got to s- sweep the front seat off of coffee cups and cigarette butts and you know, it's
1: junk. I don't work on those. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I won't work on them. They'll go away. Yeah. You, if a, if a vehicle comes in and it's nasty inside, I'm done. Mm-hmm. If you can't keep your employees to keep the vehicles clean, they're going to rag that shit out. And it's going to be my fault. Yeah. It's going to break. It's going to, he going to tear it up. He don't care. I don't care either. I don't want your headaches. Yeah. But, yes, I see that, too, in my industry. I've had them come in like that, and I just told them, go away. I'm not working on it. I don't deal. Don't bring me a headache. I don't want a headache. And and that's because I've been in business for plus 30 years. I can do that. Yeah. I'm not that humble. Right.
0: (laughs) I I find that it's very telling about the type of quality a driver is how they treat the, 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 the piece of machinery, right? And then
1: No. Go back to the fleet administrator. He's not walking out in the parking lot looking at the cars doing his inspection and he letting the driver do whatever, whatever he wants to do, Yeah. the fleet administrator or the supervisor, he should be in charge of how clean and neat that truck is. And if he's got an employee like that, okay, so me and you don't deal with the employees as much as we deal with the fleet and the supervisor. Right. And if we're dealing letting this guy do this, it, it's not a good fleet. None of the fleets I deal with today on a regular basis will allow something like that from a driver. It all comes from the supervisors and the fleet of men. If the fleet of men walks the parking lot and sees a vehicle like that, he got a hold of the supervisor. He doesn't talk to the driver, you know. And when you get that kind of a—that's a, that's a gut nugget I'm teaching you guys. If you have that kind of client, they're going to take better care of their vehicles.
0: Yep. Yeah. It's it, it's tough though. I mean, like a lot of what we deal with sometimes is is the. It's hard to get even good drivers up here, right? People that won't tear the, tear the equipment up. So sometimes we see a lot where we have to watch and wonder sometimes is the driver sabotaging the vehicle to avoid having yeah. to use it today, right? <laughs> You know we've seen it where it's like the, the guy comes out and he's like i'm pretty sure he's pulling the fuses out of this or something like that and i don't know he can't because we'll get some wonky stuff you
1: can't duplicate it right and <laughs> you start to then so a little tip when we deal with a classic customer that we deal with okay they have a rollover employees but they always have more employees than they need and it's the same with the vehicles they have more vehicles than they need yeah, they may have everybody in a vehicle, may not have a spare vehicle today, day, but tomorrow they will. Yeah. Okay. But they're so aggressive with their hiring campaign. If you're a bad person, you're going to go away pretty quick. And and that's the, the level of people that I'm used to dealing with. Okay. They won't put up with that crap. Yeah. And it's just a changing of the level of what type of customer do you want? You know, this, this relates back to my retail experience when I'd have a customer come in. Where you couldn't sit in a passenger seat because there's so much crap there. Yeah. Or you'd open the doors and trash would fall out. Yeah. It, it's, it's all in the perspective of what kind of customer you want. And you have to stay focused. And you'll starve getting rid of those customers that you might make a dime off of to finally have a complete customer base where you can make a living off of and a paycheck at the end of the week.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's...
1: I, I preach that all the time. You got to know your customer target. You can't work on everybody's car. That's not what you're there for. Find your niche. Get in your niche and stay focused. Good,
0: good word. Focus
1: is so hard for a mechanic.
0: Yeah, it is. It honestly is. It really is because we have to be so yep. we have to be so varied, right? Like you, it's really hard to. I mean, I I don't want to say specialized, but it is to. There's always so many distractions. There's always you know, you're working on this one and you're thinking about the next one, right? Like that, that's, I struggle with that still to this day. It's, it's, yeah. even when the time for me is, is time isn't the issue that it used to be. It's not the push. It's still hard to not know. Okay. I got two more waiting in the, in the parking lot today that, you know, the clock is ticking on and and I got to get through this and I, and I lose focus sometimes it's tough, but you know, Uh I'm a better tech when I, when I work on, on a fleet than I am when I'm working on you know just independent whatever one person
1: somebody's volkswagen jetta Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very sure no
0: euro rule that's that's my own rule <laughs> i don't hey man i don't, touch, I don't like them i just it, they don't jive with me i learned a long time ago everybody's got limits that's where mine is and i'm totally okay with it so yeah yeah well, yeah so when you mentioned the toyota's that's that's the Tundras you're getting when you say the trucks, or was it the Tacoma? Your one fleet. They no, were Tacomas. Tacomas, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Those are all gone. The Toyota Tacomas and the Prius are all gone. We have 187 NV200 little vans. Nissan's. Okay. Yeah. We have three Chevrolet pickup trucks that are 1500. We have two Chevrolet pickup trucks that are 2500, and we have one Chevrolet truck. That's a 3500 crew cab four wheel drive mm-hmm. for that one fleet that we work on. Yeah. So if you have an MV200 and you want to sell it for parts, I'm your customer. <laughs> I will buy those things left and right. I have no problem with that. Yeah. You know, I, I just sold my last driver's side door to this company. You know, when when my wrecking yard guys that I do business with call me and say, "Hey, I bought an MV200," I said, "What's good on it?" Yeah. They'll start giving me a list. I said, "I want it. I want it. I want it," and I store it, and it's usually gone within three or four days. Uh, maybe three or four weeks, you know, but yeah, I go through MV200 stuff like water. It has to be white okay. and it can't have no windows in none of the back doors or side doors. Yep. Okay. Yep. And those I buy. So, see that. So, there's a plug for me. Thank you. There's a, that's <laughs> you know,
0: that, John, is a very there's a lot of foresight in there because there isn't a lot of necessarily uh, that would be something that I would think a fleet manager that was on the staff of the company would be doing. And you are a company outside of the company that you're servicing that has that foresight and that forward thinking to be like, I need to be buying these up because, like, they're going to need a door. They're going to need a bumper. They're going to need a – you go through seats, eh? Fleet vehicles go through seats, right? If you keep some seats around, you can get that instead of waiting for, you know, three or four days, whatever, where it might be parked or the guy's miserable, you get another seat swapped out in an hour you're happy you got a happy guy he's back on the road he likes that truck he stays in that truck that is john that's a nugget for people that and what that should be listening yeah you know if you're going to service fleet think about that kind of stuff just the profit
1: yeah because you know ge electric had ford e250 vans. every one of them had a 5-4 in them okay so you and all of them had solid back doors no glass Okay. And people are always busting the back doors on those vans. I kept those back door vans in. I said that wrong. I kept those doors to the back of that van in stock in case something happened. I could swap them doors out in a couple hours and and make good money doing that because I kept them in inventory. I kept that van there for two days for a pair of doors out the door. I made good money on that. Yeah. You know, and it, and it was because I took the money and invested it in the inventory to keep it there. Yeah. And instead of then. And the fleet loved it yeah. that they could get two doors on the back
0: of the van and gone. Yeah. And then you could put those two doors back in the corner when you got some slack time. You put some new latches in them, some new hinges, <laughs> new whatever, right? And you up the
1: out and you put it on another one. 90% of the doors got fixed and painted and hung there waiting. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Yeah. That was never a problem. Oh.
0: <laughs> brilliant. 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 Yeah. It's. If we had the larger facility, we would do a lot more of that kind of stuff. Right now, like for oh yeah, like Cintas, we've got six of theirs uh, parked on our lot right now, and we're pirating parts off of two of them, uh, which mm-hmm. have been because the engine's gone, transmission's gone. They're high mileage; you're not going to put any more money in it. But we we've now we just took a delivery of a brand new six point eight V10, and it's going to start going into one tomorrow. And you know, it's been sitting there waiting for the engine to be you know, supply there's, we got major part shortage up here, but we'll get cracking on that. Who'd
1: you get your V10 from?
0: So there's up here, there's a big trucking company called rush trucking and. Oh, rush. uh, Okay. Yeah.
1: We have that in Fort Worth.
0: Yeah. So I think somewhere around Ottawa, there's a rush that's affiliated with a Ford dealer. I don't know if it's the same dealer group bought in. Yeah.
1: We have a rush Ford dealership down here.
0: So that's how we got it. And it it is not. Okay. It's not a cheap lawn block. It's not cheap. Oh no, no, they're nine grand. <laughs> it's more than that up here. <laughs> the exchange is it really? Thirteen something. <laughs>
1: yep. Thirteen. Oh, that's cheap. That's real cheap. <laughs> that's
0: before. You, that's before you do the labor, right? So I mean, uh, yes. And but we've been we've been picking away at these three these three trucks out back, getting little parts off it, like we needed a you know a intake runner manifold control valve or the V10 the other day. We had one dead out there. We needed one because it was actually shorted together and kept blowing a fuse. Yeah. The fact that we can keep those on the lot and just start to pick parts off them as we need them to get them, keep them going as they're trying to upgrade this fleet and get a few more new units because we've got guys that want to buy new trucks and we just can't get them. My own boss oh, you know, wanted to get a couple Transit 3500s. We had to go all the way to Vancouver, the West Coast to buy three transits to drive.
1: Can you bring up stuff from the States and use it in your fleet? Do the emissions meet or is it too much of a pain in the butt? Like Shane is motorcycle. It's yeah. It's the emissions
0: is not a problem. It's uh-huh. It I, by the time I think you, you do the, the transfer and the, and the all that jazz. I don't think my boss wants to get involved in it.
1: It's not feasible. No,
0: it's, yeah. it, it was like I said, we, he, he flew three bus drivers out to Vancouver, went to a Ford dealership, Got in three transits. One had 50,000 kilometers on it, and the other one had like 10,000 kilometers, like cream puffs, and and drove them back from Vancouver, like north of yeah. California, all the way back to Ontario, way up here. So it was uh, – I didn't get to do it. That would have been a fun trip. But, I mean, that's how much the shortage was a year ago trying to get transits. You couldn't get them wow so you know it's uh yeah it's
1: well our shortage of one-ton duallys around here is real big Yeah. every dealership gets a one-ton dually in uh crew cab he's gonna get premium for it yeah it's so you know they're not going above sticker price but they're getting everything else they can add on to it yeah because they got in trouble the hand slap for going over sticker price mm-hmm. But now you got the dealership price for this, the dealership fee for that. You got all these fees to add on that crap. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, but the the, the industry's coming back. You know, there's a big write-up just the other day about the auto dealer industry is fixing to get flooded with cars, and they're expecting a huge drop in the next three months on automobile prices because of that. And I think they're talking about cars, but I don't think they're the trucks that we deal with that we're still you know, we ordered 200 and something replacement vehicles and we got 37, you know, yeah, that's still going on. That still happened today. No, we're just going to send you 10. That's all you're going to get.
0: Yeah. You know. So going back when you, when you had the COVID thing, did you see a lot, what did you see? I mean, you, you had banner years, you were speaking like it was great. It was, your business was booming then, but did you see a lot of the industry, like what I saw? And we've seen it online, guys talking about it like that. Dealerships became like ghost towns, right? Some of the repair shops didn't do so well. Yeah. And I, what I found is that, right. like the fleet stuff, it was almost COVID proof. You know what I mean? Business just kept rolling on.
1: And so I had, I have beer distributing, I have communications, I have electrical power, and those three guys kept me busy. Plumbers, they all but almost shut down, and went away. I didn't have any plumbers hardly at all. The only ones that came in were people that had to be essential that were working with essential people. Okay. Keeping people going. If they were working with automotive industry, they're working with the beer industry, alcohol industry, the electrical communications, they were working for those people that made them essential. But if they were residential, they weren't essential. They didn't work. So I seen so many shops around me that would just, did go in, you work for three or four days and there would not be a vehicle come in. You know, it would, it, you know, is, I have a lot of friends in our industry and a lot of friends from the Dallas Forward market that starved to death. And that program from the government, they help them get money to help pay payroll to survive another three or four months. You know, I'm thankful, so thankful that my coach, taught me to put money back you know uh save it you're gonna need three months well i had six months set aside you know yeah. and when when kova was gone i still had six months setting aside good for you you know i was i was blessed yeah you know i got i got around the ppp money and uh so the week before july 4th one of my technicians got sick mm-hmm. the next day another one got sick and they both tested positive. So, we'll oh, stop. Everybody go get tested. Everybody tested positive for COVID. We shut the shop down for 20 days. We had six or seven vehicles in the shop. We made phone calls. Everybody understood. Nobody cared. You know, want to know what our process was to cont- clean the contamination, da, da, da. So I did what the CDC was asking to do about spraying and cleaning. Everybody came back to work. I got the money. Nobody ever missed a paycheck. Everybody kept their same paycheck 42 hours. Is that what you're doing? That's what you got paid for two weeks. So they had the longest 4th of July weekend they've ever had. <laughs> it was great. You know, I was the sickest out of most of them. My nephew, he, he was pretty sick too with a headache. Yep. But I, I was in bed for four days. Uh, I was I was hurting pretty bad. Yeah. You know. But yeah. everybody else had a mild headache, a little nauseous. But by the Fourth of July day, they was all well and happy. But I
0: I I think that's awesome that everybody you you know your guys all got their full pay, right? Nobody. Yeah, yeah. That's John. That says a lot about your character, man. Honestly, that's pretty admirable. Mm-hmm. So what? Um. Yeah.
1: So hey, I got a new girl hired, man. Let me tell you about Judith. I got a rock star. I'm excited to bring her to AST. She's coming. You're going to get to meet her at ASTE. But this girl is about thirty-six years old, or young, okay, and uh, she's a Chrysler technician. Wow! So we're fixing to go factory level with Chrysler and Dodge products.
0: That is awesome. That is awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about her. I just had to brag just a little bit about her. Well,
0: she's never. She's probably never been to ASTE.
1: She has never been to. No, she's never been to a training class. So today I I, I said, "Hey, what do you know about scopes?" She said, Well, I, I worked on them scopes that in the scanner for Chrysler and stuff like that. I said, Well, what, what about a Pico scope? She said, I, I, I've always heard of the Pico scope. That's cool. Yeah. I said, Come here. So I pulled the drawer out of this toolbox that has all electrical crap in it. And I said, What do you think about it? Oh, it's a Pico scope. I said, It's brand new. I just bought it from my buddy Oscar Gomez out in California. Yes. Oh, oh, I love it. I love it. Most well, she's going through it. I said, you're going to go to training on this. Oscar's going to teach you how to use this thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so my buddy Oscar Gomez in California is fixing to get a phone call from me when we get through yeah. to tell him about Judith and how he's going to start working with her. That's that's going to change her life, John.
0: That's going to change her life, like
1: a hundred percent. I'm so when she when her eyeballs got bigger than tennis balls, I said, "Boy, this girl is hooked. Just bring her in, boys." Oh yeah. <laughs>
0: What was, so she's, she's left the dealership life. She's all done with it. She's, she's come to you.
1: She worked at a dealership, a Chrysler dealership for four years and it changed ownership three times. And every time the owners changed at the dealership process and procedures changed. She had her belly full of it. She said, so her instructor at the college texts me. He said, I got a lady, look, a girl looking for a job that was probably one of my prize students. And he said, I seen your post on Facebook. You're looking for somebody. You ought to talk to her. So I called her. I sent her a text, told her who I was and how to, da, da. And I called her on the phone. We talked for 15, 20 minutes. And then I said, come in and say hi to me. You know, introduce yourself. Let's meet. So she came by the shop. And this girl's just so easy going type person. We talked for three hours. Three hours. She t- she kept me tied up for three hours talking to me, telling me about her life story, telling me about what she'd done, where she'd been, what's going on. We became friends. And I said, Judith, I said, this is Wednesday. I said, Thursday, what do you, can you just come up to the shop and hang out, work with the guys, walk, talk to the guys, hang around in the shop? She said, hey, you'll let me do that? I said, if you're fixing to make a career change in your life out of the dealership industry into what I do, you need to see it first. You just can't come down here and jump in it, think it's what you're going to like. Because what we do is 100% different Yes. than dealership life, yep. retail life, yep. chain store life. Yep. It's 100% different. She came and hang out with, so I'm thinking, she comes in here. She hangs out for 15 or 20 minutes and I've seen all I want to say goodbye. I don't have a snowball chance. Okay. She comes in eight o'clock in the morning. I buy her lunch. We're wrapping things up at 3:30 for our afternoon huddle. She joins the huddle. Then thinking, yes, I got her boys. I got her. I just got to get her on the beach. I got her reeled up. I got her hooked. And she, she started today was her first day. She brought her toolbox in and it, it, just an awesome first day with a human being that's an awesome person. I just I just love having positive people on my team, yeah. and she's that way.
0: I'm 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 excited to meet this young lady, and I'm excited to see how like her her journey starting through through this. I, I'm this has got me fired up. It's 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 interesting because I mean she's a rock star, brother. It's you know, and it's sometimes it's so. It's so not that hard, right, to show people. It's not. Uh, what, what we offer, you know, just, and I'm not saying necessarily a fleet shop, but there's some really good techs in the dealerships right now. There are some really crap. Oh,
1: yes. Yes.
0: notch Hands down, bunch of them. You know, and I think that that's what you're going to see is I think we're going to see a very soon, a mass exodus of those guys the girls leaving for, because they're just tired of the culture. And I think it, it, it's not going to be that hard if we show them just a little bit of love and a little bit of appreciation and, and a professional attitude and, you know, yes, we're not going to have the big, sh- always the shiniest floor and the the most lights and, you know, but if we give them the equipment that they need and the encouragement that they need to fix the vehicles, I have no doubts that this young lady is going to come through for you.
1: I like what you said. If we yes. give them the encouragement and we give them the tooling, one thing i told this girl i said you don't buy tools you don't run out there on these tool trucks and you buy tools now if you want to buy a tool and take it home yeah go buy that tool and take it home but if you need a tool around here to make me money with i'm the one that's going to buy it so at the end of the day today i walked over and i said hey you see this toolbox right here it's green you like it well yeah i like it i said is green your color you like a different color well I, i I, I, I said why, why don't you sleep on it tonight and tell me tomorrow because you're getting a new toolbox tomorrow <laughs> so i'm gonna get this girl toolbox that's bigger than one she's got but it's big enough to roll around put more tools in because she came in with a toolbox that a roll around box it's about a it's a four drawer snap on toolbox it's about that tall you know it's not very big but we need to get her something that she can push around feel like she's pushing something around and she's gonna
0: and she's gonna fill it up with tools right like that's the that's the beauty of
1: it oh we'll fill it up yeah yeah yeah
0: John buddy I think that' yeah. is awesome i'm I'm because you know you know this is what it is it's not it's not hard to entice these people into this industry we just have to We have to do better, right? You
1: have to take care of them. You have to love them. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't love people, you're not a leader. If you don't own, Rick White told me this if you don't own your shit, you don't own your problems and own up to them and fix them, nobody else is. And they're all going to look bad on you. Own your stuff, fix your problem and move forward. Keep moving forward, keep plowing forward and keep loving everybody.
0: Yeah. Because you, I mean, you guys, Nobody knocks it out of the park 100% of the time, right? You guys have, you guys. No, no. We all get trucks that are difficult. We all get cars that are problematic. We all get, you know, things change. Clients come and go. Like, it all changes. But the people, the people that you have for you is who you want to keep, right? I've seen too many times that the, the staff has been sacrificed for the customer. And I realize that without the customers, we have nothing. But I always drew the line at like I don't want to see staff sacrificed for for a customer, and I think that that's that's, right. that's something that a lot of people are like. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, when somebody does something, makes a mistake, we're all human. We all make mistakes, and I'm not saying that the, you know everybody should get away with anything. And if they make a mistake and it's a big one, that you're you know you have to keep them. I'm not trying to say that, but I mean it's. Really hard for me to think that there's some people in the industry when we talk about when, oh, they make a mistake, I'm just going to fire that person or, you know, like, oh, they're going to pay for that. And uh, there must be some perfect techs that I have never seen in my life Then if they're the ones that are now running a shop and they're going to say that I'm going to fire that person for, you know, an an honest mistake. You know, it's one thing to be. So
1: a technician has been with me for six months now. Monday was trying to knock a ball joint out of a Chevrolet lower control arm. Yep. And he cocked back with a hammer and he swung and it hit and it didn't move it. So he stepped back and he going to knock the shit out of it this time. Well, he ricocheted off the bottom of the fender. Oh. Oh, he was torn up yep. that he damaged a customer's car. Yep. I knew he was. You know, I, I'm upset because now 100% of my profit on this job yes. is going to go to fix this fender. Yeah. You know, but I put my arm around him and I tell him, I say, son, it's an accident. We don't have to worry about it. it it's fixable. It's just a little fainting body and boom, it's taken care of. You're not upset. No, I'm not upset. You didn't do it on purpose. You did it trying to make, accomplish a goal. Yeah. It's fine. It's yeah. a mistake.
0: Yeah. I, I've made them. You've made them, right? We've oh, all-
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. I got the scars to prove it. <laughs> I got one on the top of my head right now from a mistake. Not me, plumb out cold, baby.
0: Oh, I've been there too.
1: So, and that's, that's what
0: I find is that if we can just show them that, you know what, we how important we all say that the techs are to this industry right now, and this, the technician shortage is, is, is a very real thing, right? But if we start to show.
1: I, I'm going to argue that, Jeff. I really am. I'm, I'm quite okay with that. You go, you know, Yeah. I know guys that are aggressive about their hiring. I know guys that take very good care of their employees. Okay. And, and people want to go to work and they got a standing line of people trying to go to work down in Houston. There's a guy down there. It's excellent guy. Okay. And and he's bouncing around he's meeting people. He's aggressive about his hiring. He's got a list of people wanting to come to work for him. In my situation, I am, I can't go out into our industry. And rob people of where they're working at now. I can't steal them is what I'm saying because of my position in our industry. I have to wait to people come to me and say, Hey, I want to go to work for you. Then if, I got to find out if they're working for one of my friends. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, one of the people that I lead in our industry before I can jump on it. I may have to wait a couple of weeks for I get a new person in. And, and, but they're out there. I see them all the time. It's just the shop owners. And the way they're teaching employees, treating, not teaching the way they're treating employees, they don't want to come back into our industry. Yep. But if you get a shop owner to teach, treating people good, you know, they, they don't have a problem getting somebody hired on. Yeah. They just need to find the right person. Right. And it's and the right person is a shortage. Yeah.
0: And it's not a payroll, is it? It's not a payroll issue. Is it John?
1: No, it's a treating issue. It's, how are you going to treat somebody? Are you going to treat them with respect? Or are you going to treat them as an employee?
0: You know, and there's a difference there, right? That's like some people's eyes are going. What are you? What's he talking about? You treat them like an employee, or you treat them like respect? If you've been on the other side of that f- f- coin, you know what th- You
1: know, you know what you mean, mm-hmm. right? I, I've worked for yeah. people like that. I pay you to do a job. Do the job, damn it. Yep. Yeah. You know, I don't want to know it. What- you know, I hired you to get your ass here be here. You talk to them like that. That's not respect. You know, you don't talk to them about what you've done. You talk to them about your goal, where you wanting to be. You know, this is, this is what we're trying to accomplish. You know, we're, we're right here, but we need to be down there. Now you're treating them and bringing them into the team and you've got a goal in common and you're going to reach it.
0: Yeah. yeah. Powerful stuff, John. Honestly. Yeah. You know, it's not that, it's not that, you know, it, it really is not,
1: you know, no, see, it's real easy. And you, and, and you, and you, okay, so this week, your goal was a number, $50,000 this week. This is what we're going to run this week. And, and Tuesday morning, hey guys, we're at 50000 already. How far do you think we can go? You don't go to them and say, hey, it's Tuesday morning. We only got 5000 but our goal is 50000 What the hell? You know, it's all in the way you phrase your word. And be a leader. And how you got to move it forward with these folks. You got to work with them. They got to know where you're at, where you're going, what is happening. And they got to be part of the program. They can't be an employee where you just, as the farmer says, we don't shovel shit to that crew. <laughs> you know, we feed them and water them when we grow them. We get them out of the crap.
0: <laughs> exactly. What
1: um, So, you know, they take care of
0: us. <laughs> If, if, if the technician shortage is not a challenge that you're seeing, then what challenges are you seeing in this?
1: I just told you, I, I see that the owner of the shop is not taking care of the employee. He's is is treating them like an employee. It's, it, it all reflects back to upstairs. You know? Yep. What is going on? What's happening? Do we not have the culture? And, and culture could be several different things, okay, that needs to take place in the shop. Does does employee feel like he's an employee? Does he feel like he's part of the team? When you have people that feel like they're part of something, it's a growing effect. Yeah. Other people want to be part of whatever's moving forward, whatever's growing. But if you just have employees and you're here nine to five, people don't want to come play with that. It, this world that we're in now, it, we're getting older and older, okay? And the younger ones want to be part of something great and wonderful. They don't want to be an employee. Yeah. But well, they can work from home and have the comforts of their home and draw more money than sweating out in your shop. You got to make them want to be with you. Yeah. You got to want to make them feel comfortable. You got to make them happy. You know, if they're upset, you got to find out why. You got to, I want to say, interact. Now, I'm not telling you to be their best friend. I'm telling you to be a leader. That's what I'm suggesting. If you want to be a friend, that be a friend. I'm cool with that. But a leader is somebody with compassion that can take his team way further than somebody with a bullwhip snapping it on the end of your ass. Yeah. Yeah. 100%.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: what, let me get back to rephrase the question.
0: What is, if, if people aren't the challenge that John's facing, what, what challenge in the industry is your biggest challenge right now? Like, are you feel like it's a technology? Do you feel like you're having an access problem getting training? Do you think access, like, I know you and Mr. Buckley are pretty involved a lot lately in, in training and, and, it, you know, giving people. And you mentioned our good friend Oscar Gomez is a fantastic individual. What a great guy he is. His podcast was to have him on as a guest was, was awesome, life changing. Um, the guy's got such an infectious attitude, right? He's just, he loves what he does.
1: It's contagious, ain't it? Man, I haven't
0: met this person yet. I've only talked to him on the phone, and he's quickly becoming somebody that we talk a lot. Right? He he was he was redoing a carburetor on uh, like a nineteen seventy seven Dodge van last week, and uh, I was joking with him, and I said, "Oh, don't tell me that's one of those ThermoQuads, one of those plus." And he just laughs. He just laughs. He's like, "That's exactly what it is." And I'm like. All of them that I saw were sitting on the workbench because they leaked fuel so bad. Somebody took it off and they put an old holly on it. And he's like, but I, I can't do that. He says, it's got to. So he he showed me when it was done. It was all redone. And, you know, he took me the results from his five gas analyzer and showed me the before and the after. And the guy's the guys, like a phenomenal asset to this industry right and
1: now. And it has such a meek, yes, loving, caring attitude. Yeah. If I don't get a text from him once a week, I'll reach out to him, find out what's going on.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, Oscar wind up being a very meaningful friend to me. Yeah. so And and I love the guy. I really do. So getting back to it, do you think
0: there's a shortage? Like we talk about, there isn't really a shortage of training necessarily, but there's definitely a shortage of people attending training.
1: It's a shortage of attitude. Yeah. Attitude. I see Mike Clary come do a training class for me, okay? And people don't want to get out of their house and go to a training class. I had an ASA meeting last uh, Tuesday night. Four shops showed up that we had a lot of great information going to be shared, but people were calling me, oh, I don't want to go because it's too hot. I don't want to go. It's an attitude that we have come across in America. The training is there. The information is there. Just like the Right to Repair Act, dude. I I I understand what they're trying to do, but I have yet to see a manufacturer not share the information. Mm-hmm. I know that NASDAQ is there in case we have a problem. Yeah. I haven't had to call Donnie to say, Donnie, I can't get this. Mm-hmm. Now I know a, a computer guy that has, and he wind up getting the information. So I'm not if you're not getting the information, it's because you're not finding it. You don't know how to look for it it reverts back to attitude. You have the attitude where you're not going to go to training to find out where to go get the information. I, I think that's the biggest deal is the public education school system has made everybody realize, hey, it's all free. Here, to come get it. Yeah. You know? Yep. But where do you come get it at? How do you get it out of that information? At Google and YouTube is not the answer because there's so much false information out there that looks good. Yeah. And if you're not educated, you can't tell the difference. You know, there's a lot of great, wonderful people on there. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying there's not, but I am saying there's a few bad apples that will mess up your project pretty bad. But I'm telling you, it reverts back to attitude. And uh, the majority of my staff is, is under 30 years old. Okay. And when I hire them and bring them in and I show them and tell them this and tell them, I have one tech a technician came to work for me and I went outside to help him do stuff. And I spent about 15 minutes out there and he stopped and said, Hey, John, I would just want to tell you something. You know, I've been to that technical school for four years and I just learned more from you in 15 minutes than I ever did at that school. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because I know where to get the information at. I'm not lazy. I don't mind going to the classroom and listen to a man, talk to me and teach me and educate me. On how to do something. And I'm not watching it when I need it. I'm okay. So I'm a proactive guy, not a reactive guy. Yes. Okay. So I believe in keeping the cart behind the horses, you know, so the horses will pull it better not push it, you know? So a little bit of training will go a long ways tomorrow if you do the training today. Yeah. And that's the attitude that I see. The younger guys don't want to do it. You know, I, I, I had a boy, I sent him to the General Motors training class. And and I'm blessed because General Motors has a huge facility right there in Dallas, okay? I send him over all day long. He comes in to work next day. Tell me about it. I'm excited, you know, because he'd been a training class. Well, I really didn't get along with the instructor. I really didn't. And I really... Dude, it's not about you. Yeah. It's about the instructor and the material he's teaching, you know?
0: I I went to... I had training on Monday night. Uh, I went. I was the only one in my shop that went. The other young lad that normally would come, he just blum forgot about it. You know, and he's uh, twenty-four years old. You know, yeah. And and it's it's tough. Like I mean, the the class started at six. It got done at nine thirty. It was ten o'clock. What by the time I got home, uh, I started this. I, I got up at you know quarter to five. Started work at seven a.m. It was a long day. Yeah, it was a long day. Yeah, and uh, but-
1: and try to do that two days back to back. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I mean, I still—that was the highlight of my day. It was not what I did at the shop during the day, but the training I got that night. Right. So
1: it's a gold nugget you pulled away from that training class. It is, and it's—you know—I
0: got to network with people. I had a guy come up that I haven't spoke to, and I've known him, but I haven't—we've seen each other around, I haven't spoke to him. He came up to me, and he—you know—he spent twenty minutes talking to me about this podcast and how what. How he was so on board with everything that was being said and, and all that kind of stuff. And he just loved the attitude and he loved the stories and he loves hearing, you know, different people's perspectives and how people got to where they are. And we we talked for a good 20 minutes about how there's so much more in common with all of us than what makes us different, right? And that's what people, I think, are, are starting to... I hate the labels that we put on where we say, oh, this person that worked here is not going to be a fit for me. Or this person that worked there would be a better fit somewhere else. I don't know how people are so smart that they can automatically judge that just by where somebody (laughs) from the resume. You know what I mean?
1: I I think those people are called hypocrites. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we're going to have those people in our life that come into our life that doesn't give a person the opportunity. They run off strictly first-time impressions. I understand what we were taught was first-time impressions or what naturally going to be. Okay. I disagree with that philosophy. I think a first time impression could be me stumbling and tripping and hit my head against the wall. And I don't normally do that kind of crap, you know, but that's your impression. I'm clumsy. Yep. You know, yep. It, it you got to spend time with the person to understand them, to know who they are, to know what's going on and, and to dissect them correctly and say, Hey, You know, I've had people come to work for me and I'm thinking, man, it just ain't going to work out. Then why not being a rock star? And then I have somebody come to work for me and I'm thinking, wow, super awesome. And then, you know, you don't fit with us. You're, 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 you're not what you need. You don't need to be here. You need to go away, but I don't do it the first day. It's usually six months down the road time. I'll make a decision and three weeks in. I pretty much got a good rhythm, but I won't make a call on that because I feel like as a leader, I should be edu- I should be able to educate the person I'm dealing with and if I can't educate that person, they're unwilling, they're just unwilling i can't I don't need to waste any more time on that yeah, but if I see improvement, that's improvement that's a nugget. Keep moving forward mm-hmm. being proactive, not reactive
0: now speaking of of <laughs> wonderful people. Your partner, Mr. Buckley
1: How did that How did He's sitting over there waiting on me He just
0: bored out of his mind I appreciate him, he's he's awesome How did that relationship come about? Well, you see,
1: I was out there fishing That's how all
0: good relationships start,
1: right? Hmm. Yeah Well, we was at the bar and we was drinking No, that ain't the way it went either <laughs> We were in church was, No, we weren't in church Candace was, but we weren't <laughs> No, we, we went to a training class. We're both involved in ASA and we, he's, he's got so many people that like him and and he knew somebody that I knew and he decided he wanted to like me too. You know, so he, he he pulled me up out of the ditches and and brought me up and, and I am who I am now because of Jeff Buckley. You know, it's really changed my life and our relationship and who we are. What are you doing, Candace? Candace is recording me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we absolutely love the two but the two of you together are magic it really is like it's it's the hot
1: you know it's he says i, I wasn't he said john you're just my yin to you're just the yin to my yang and i'm what the hell does that mean he says well you know you kind of cut up and you're kind of funny and and kind of kind of dumb and, and i'm all serious and intelligent you know so it we go together and, and I don't know how to take that, but I think it's going to be all right. I think I think you might be dumb like a fox.
0: Is how I think it might be. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not used to say. it's something about a rock, <laughs> like a box of rocks. Oh, that's about you too. Uh, what's the, what's the what's the goal for the J and J show? What what do you guys want to do? Like, where do you want to see? You know,
1: my goal for the J and J show is to get Jeff out of shop yeah Jeff's physical condition is really wearing a toll on him his knees his shoulders you know his hands it, it just everything about Jeff hurts kind of like me I'm getting that way but I'm out of the shop I don't work in the shop I, I go to the shop two or three hours a day my next goal is to get a manager run my shop but here's my goal with a J and j show is to get Jeff out of the shop Now, we still need to do videos in the shop. We still need to use the shop to do videos, but we work on what we want to work on, what he wants to work on, when he wants to work on it. But mostly, we want to travel and educate the industry and share tools, technology, and training. Yeah. That's our number one thing. You know, we want to help other shops learn about the, the greatest, latest tools that are on the market. Okay. We brought Milton Industries to light with what we do. And we share the Z line products and the Pro Max products. We get them out in front of everybody. We, we have trainers like Mike Clary, Oster that we work with getting these guys come to town doing training classes. And, and then we do the tools for schools. You know, yes. what we believe is the passion of getting the latest and greatest tools in our schools. So these students can use the latest and greatest tools. So when they go to work at a shop. They can tell the shop owner, "Hey, I'm really used to using this Pico scope. I know how to use that, yeah now the shop will go buy that Pico scope,
2: yeah, you know, amazing.
1: That seed is planted in that student how to use that snap on tool, yeah. and that shop will buy that to make that technician keep making them money I think I th- and that's where I ring out that cha Ching baby. <laughs> I had to throw that in there, Jeff, you knew I did.
0: oh, I love it. <laughs> And Mr. Mr. Buckley certainly will. We'll have him, again. you know will have. Him.
1: Yeah, Jeff is over here hollering. I never called you dumb. I never called you dumb, <laughs> but he did refer to me as a boxer rock. So so, no, he didn't. Term of just it, my buddy,
0: pretty stones age is what he probably meant to say, right? Pretty stones.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty stone oh, age. Yeah, call me old.
0: <laughs> I, think, I think that little uh, what you guys were doing with the with the with the kids in the schools and stuff like that, and I thought that's what. I need to be doing around my area, right? We need I need to get my area involved in something similar to that and get them some tools in the, in the schooling. And because there isn't even a lot of schools around here that have a high school auto shop program, right? It's, it's, it's hardly being taught anymore. They've been
1: phased out. They've been going away for years. The teacher taught college, 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 not trades, but the trades are coming back. We got to have them. Or or we're going to live with uh, the foreigners coming in, doing the trades and, you know, life's gonna change, but we have to get the trades back into the schools, all of them, not just one or two. You know, and we gotta make sure these people understand that's serious business for these trades to be in the school and you just don't go passing a kid that's in a trade class.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They're not they're not they're not dumb, they're not slow, they're not you know, it's not no it's not an inferior option for them as a as a career. It is a very lucrative And
1: you don't throw the bad kids into that class and try to teach bad kids.
0: Yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, John, is there anything yeah. you want to say as we wrap it up?
1: What's your word of it? Dude, this has been an honor. Yeah. I, I've been so excited about coming on here with you with the Jaded Mechanic. I, I love that name. That's such a cool name. You know, I, I, I feel very humble that you asked me to come on your show. I really do. Because I've seen the great people and I've listened to your show and the great people you had on here, they're just—I I don't think I could ever match up to their talent, their efforts that they do. But I'm so so thankful. It's it, to share my story and share my knowledge with our industry and you getting it out there for me. I think that's a great thing. That's this is this is
0: the way I change the industry for for all of us. This is the way. This is the legacy I'm going to leave. I'm not going to leave the legacy of. You know, I, I was a great technical trainer, anything like that. I'm going to leave the legacy of of having the conversations that need to be have and putting the right people together to share their stories and where they came from and where they want to go. I I can do way more for the industry by doing that than I can in other yeah. way, right? And it's yeah, it's It's, it's Jada mechanic, our 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 good buddy Lucas. That's you know, he kind of he kind of pushed me towards doing that because I said you know two years ago. I'm I'm jaded, you know, and and I still am. This is you know, yeah. This this industry is takes a special kind of person to to succeed in it, and and sometimes it does. It sometimes it's it's can be almost overwhelming. It can be really hard, and uh, I I haven't been always treated the way I've been wanted. I should have been treated, and um, it's left me a little jaded. But it's it's through it's through connecting with people like yourself. You know, talking about riding in, a, in a the band to 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 have dinner and talking about fishing—that's given me that that renewed vigor, that that enthusiasm, that hope that we can bring this around, right? That we can start to steer this back to a really wonderful place because it is—it's a wonderful industry, it's a wonderful career. For I, I'm I've been blessed in my career with what it's what it's provided me with, right? With what I've learned, the people,
1: whatever. Whatever industry is out there, they're coming to the automotive industry because we keep their industry rolling. You know, without us, this without the automotive industry, the rest of the world will have to change. It cannot go on without us the way it is yesterday, today, or tomorrow. We are the changing force of the rest of the world.
0: Yep. We drive it. We drive.
1: Where where technology begins, they take our technology and put it into tanks, airplanes, and everything else. All of that starts right here at home, boys. Yeah,
0: yeah. I'm I'm blessed to have met, I've met you. I'm blessed to have met so many people, you know, like yourself, that are just that that eat, sleep, breathe, love this, right, and want to see it change. Yeah. And 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 I'm blessed to have met you, and I thank you for that. It's uh, I look forward to doing a lot more with you. You know getting getting the word out and getting this this
1: this love that we have changing the industry yeah
0: exactly dude and you know hats off to mr mr jeff and you know he'll be on in the future for sure i haven't forgotten him it was just i got a list of like 50 names on it and we just started at the top and we start just going down and, and you two are busy you're you are busy it's hard to get you guys nailed down and 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 so you know
1: i appreciate you <laughs> now you sound like my wife <laughs> She says you're so busy you don't even have time for me yeah. hey a little shameless plug uh, uh you have a magazine that comes out in canada for big trucks 18 wheelers and stuff like that okay. i forget the name of it but they did a little deal with me a couple months ago and i came out in june's issue about the emission standards and where we're going with that
0: oh i love it so love it
1: yeah so it's a trucking 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 industry magazine or something like that
0: if you find Yeah, if, so that's cool. If you find the link, I'll try and get a copy. And then Okay,
1: I'll get it I got a link to it. I'll send it to you. And
0: then if I can get one in print when I run into you, you gotta autograph it for me.
1: Oh yeah, you know you got that, baby.
0: <laughs> hey, if you could do me a favor real quick and like, comment on and share this episode, I'd really appreciate it. And please, most importantly, set the podcast to automatically download every Tuesday morning. As always, I'd like to thank our amazing guests for their perspectives and expertise. And I hope that you'll please join us again next week on this journey of change. Thank you to my partners in the ASA group and to the Changing the Industry podcast. Remember what I always say, in this industry, you get what you pay for. Here's hoping everyone finds their missing 10 millimeter, and we'll see you all again next time.